are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel About message. two years ago, I was preaching in West Virginia, and the economy is bad over in West Virginia. It was worse then than it even is now. And I was about 50 miles from Beckley, West Virginia. Some of you know Bill Burr. And Bill was pastoring there at that time in Beckley. And I was way down in a little place called uh, Bolt, West Virginia. A little church run about 50 in Sunday school. And uh, I, I was, a man came up to me after service on Monday night. And uh, he said, Brother Robertson, he introduced himself. He said, you're supposed to be with me next month. And I'd never met the man. I said, well, yes, bless the Lord. I'm looking forward to that. Where's your church? He said, it's 50 miles further down. I thought I was to end the road, but I wouldn't. And, uh, and he began to cry. And he said, uh, and he began to talk a little. And I said, I said, let me ask you, young man. I said, I said, are you believing that God don't want me to come? It won't hurt my feelings. Just tell me, you know, if you, you know. He said, I want you to come so bad, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, what's wrong? He said, our economy is so bad, and I love them people. Somebody's got to stick in there. He said, there's one place in town to work, and that's at Hardy's, a little town called Oceana, West Virginia. And he said, I work at Hardy's, and I'm, I'm making it. But he said, last week, our offering was $12. I said, are you thinking you're wondering if you can afford to have me? Is that what you're thinking? He said, that's what's bothering me, but I want you so bad. And I said, forget about it. I'm not a rich man. I'm just a poor boy. But I said, buddy, I'm not out for the money. If God wants me there, God will take care of me. And I said, you forget about that. You just forget about that. And I'll be there. He said, we don't even have a place for you to stay anywhere. Well, I have stayed in the north room of a whole lot of these little houses up in there, you know. And I wouldn't really want to do that. And I said, don't worry about that. I'll get a room up here at Beckley. And I said, you forget it. The room won't cost you anything, and I'll see you. And uh, so that was on Monday night. Now, Tuesday morning, we had a pastor's meeting, fellowship, and I spoke to the pastors. And some pastor from West Virginia walked up to me at the beginning of the service. He said, Brother Robertson, you know a church in North Carolina that needs a pastor? He said, I'm going to get out of these hills up here. I've never seen the man before. He said, you can't build a church up here. These people don't have no money. You can't build a church up here. He said, you know one in North Carolina? I'm going to get out of this place up here. If I'd have known one, I wouldn't recommend him. Do you see what I'm trying to say? You see the difference in those two men? One of them had a burden and a, and a compassion and a responsibility, except responsibility, and he says, I can't quit. I got to do something. The other one says, let me have it a little easier somewhere else. Brother, we're always looking for the easy place. I remember hearing old Charles Tremendous Jones one time, he, the motivator. I said, I'm going to, he was, uh, Wally Beebe had him at our bus conference. I said, I'm going to slip in there and listen to that guy. I need to be motivated. <laughs> he didn't motivate me. He got up and he said, well, I want to tell you something. It's pretty tough, isn't it? Everybody said, yeah. He said, I want to tell you something. It ain't going to get no better. I said, well, that's not helping me. But folks, it's tough wherever you go, wherever you go. And I went, listen, and I went up to, and I had a comfort in there at Beckley, and, and I, I was going to check in. I told my church about that, and bless God, I, that, it, it really paid that fellow to have me. I had a pocket full of money, and people started giving me and said, give that man up there. So I paid him to let him preach for him. But uh, anyway, 
I could see a difference. There was a boy that knowed it was a need down there in them boondocks. He wasn't looking for a big name somewhere. He accepted responsibility and a burden and said, somebody, God wants to use somebody, and he was willing to stay. That's what I'm talking about. And I got up there to check in that night on Monday night at the Comfort Inn, and a man says, I have your name here. Uh, you got two nights paid in this, in this room. I said, not me, fella. You don't know me. He said, Bill Burr's paid for your motel. That's just like Bill, isn't it? Yeah, he paid for it. But what I'm saying, folks, we've got to accept the responsibility. That's what I'm talking about. Now let me give you some thoughts. Responsibilities. Listen, it's always been hard to get people. Before I get into my thoughts and just give you my points here, and I'll quit after a while. We'll be out of here by 1 or 2 o'clock. But... Uh, I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 2 just a minute. I, I never realized this to the other day. Philippians chapter 2. I want you to, I want to read a few verses right there in Philippians chapter 2. Now you remember on the day of Pentecost, it was 3,000 got saved. Another time it mentions 5,000, that's 8,000. Then it said multitudes. And you know, Paul organized the church at Philippi. You remember in Acts 16, you know the story about that. Now here is in prison and he's writing back to the church at Philippi. Now what I'm saying is where is all them hundreds? Seem like somebody didn't accept any responsibility. But notice what he said. Look in verse 17 of Philippians 2. Verse 17, And yet if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. Now wait a minute. For the same cause also do, do ye joy and rejoice with me. Notice, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send to Mathis shortly unto you that I also may be of good comfort for I know your state. Now right here is sad, verse 20. Look what he said. For I have no man Paul, where's all them converts? Where is that? Surely some of them ought to be around somewhere. But no man, no man, no man, notice, like-minded, who will naturally care for your state. Let me tell you something, preachers. Let's get our heart in our church. Your church knows where your heart's in that church or not. They can tell it. They can tell it. If you're just hanging around looking for some other greener grass, they know it. But if you're in there, and they know that too. And Paul said, I've got to send Timothy, for I have no man that would care for you like Timothy. He says here in verse 22, he said, For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. We're not in this business to build a name. We're in this business because souls are going to hell and because people need help and because God has called us to preach and we're just to glorify him. That's all. So here we see we need to accept our responsibility and not put it on somebody else all the time, but accept what God has given us and wherever he's placed you, you stick in there and stay, bless God. I'm going to preach the Lord willing in a few weeks. I don't preach weak means anymore. I used to, but I don't have time now. But there's a man up in a place called Washington, Virginia. 
and that is out of Culpeper, 30 miles. I'll stay in a little a Motel 8 in Culpeper and drive down into Boondocks to preach for that fella, and it's called Get Brown Holla. And John Burke never has, I've preached there so many times, he never has understood why I can't preach a week for him. He thinks I've gone liberal if I don't. So I always preach a week for him. I go five nights. John runs from 60 to 80 in Sunday school. Uh, we've had his building full, 125 packs it. And listen, I don't care how much he tries, he couldn't get over 200 because there's nobody lives down in there. And last year I was there and I said, John, you're going modern. He said, what's that, Brother Bobby? Old country uh, Virginia boy. I said, you've got some inside restrooms, boy. You know, you know uh, the little old church is built right beside of a creek. And they had, had, a, uh, had a walkway across the creek. And over there is the men and the ladies. John, and, and I've been going there for years. But old John says this. He said, Brother Bobby can't build no big church. But he said, God knows somebody's got to stand this old holler up here. And he says, that's what i got to do. Got to love these people. John Burke has got a great testimony all around, not just in the holler, but because people say he's real, he's real. Uh, he don't, uh, he's not trying to be uh, somebody out yonder in the spotlight. He doesn't care where anybody knows him or not. He's in the holler to stay there to help those people. That's what I'm talking about. And brother, God knows preachers and all of us. We need to accept wherever God has placed us and get in there and weep over souls. Uh, and live with the people and cry with them and laugh with them and love them. And brother, let me tell you, if we'll do that, God will send a little handfuls of purpose along the way sometime. He'll bless you. I've been in this pulpit over 37 years, and there was one time when it got so rough, it made me sick when I went to the pulpit. I used to look for a church and couldn't find one. I'd go to mailbox hoping I'd get a letter and somebody give me a call. If I split off a split and call me, I'd have said, God's in this thing. I know he wants me to go. But God kept my feet to the fire through one of the awfulest stinkingest splits you've ever seen with a nervous breakdown from the thing and all of that. And I don't give myself any credit. It was God. And after two years when it seemed like that uh, the smoke was still there, and uh, I mean the thing was just going. And brother, when you go from 550 regular down to 200, 250, and 300 in one Sunday, that'll knock a glory out of you. But God kept me in there. And I preached for two or three years like up against a stone wall. All I could hear was the crowd down the road and how they was growing. And it went on and on. But let me tell you, I found out if we'll get to accept that responsibility, God will give the strength as we need it day after day and the grace to stand and just keep on preaching, bless God. It may be a bunch of dry bones, but bless God, God can cause them to live. After two or three years of just up against a stone wall, nobody hardly getting saved, and frictions and tension, you could cut it with a knife almost. Brother, one Sunday, God opened up heaven. I didn't see Jesus with a natural eye, but seemed like I could see him through the eye of faith. And he said, Bobby, I hadn't moved at all, just been behind this cloud watching you all the time. 
Brother, that's been now, that's been at least 26, 28 years ago, and I've seen miracle after miracle after miracle, and after 37 years, I'd rather preach in my pulpit. Now I've got more liberty there than I have anywhere else. God done it. That's what I'm trying to say. And fellas, just stick in there, bless God. That's what I'm saying. Just stay in there, brother. You may be out here in the boondocks, and you say, well, I can never build a church like this North Valley. Well, maybe you don't need to. Brother, I'm tired of this bigness stuff. God delivers from that. Folks come to gospel light and say, Brother Bobby, I know when you started here, you had this in mind and that in mind. We had a preacher, he come here one day, and he said, Brother Bobby must have seen this, and he seen that, and he seen the other. And I got up and said, I ain't seen nothing. And Steve said, Daddy, you tore his sermon all to pieces. I said, I can't help it, Steve. God just wants me and you to be faithful. And brother, if we'll be faithful, God will do the adding. And if he adds a thousand, praise God. And if he adds a hundred, praise God anyway. Just be faithful where you're at, my friend. That's what I'm trying to say. Got too much of this stuff looking for some greener grass all the time. Oh, Paul said, I've got a burden. I've got to care for these people. That's what he's saying. The care of all the churches are upon me. Now, let me give you, it's 1130. Let me give you five points. What I believe the responsibility of us preachers, very simple. All of them are peas. I very seldom have one lined up like this. You know? <laughs> I told somebody the other day, I said, you know, if I can get me some scripture, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I got three C's. I'm going to preach on one one time. I said, I like, I like cars and coffee and clothes. Now, I said, if you can give us some time. <laughs> Dr. Rice, Dr. Howell said one day he went in, the, went in stepped in the, uh, in the uh, Dr. Rice's room and said he's fibbing through his Bible, you know, and fibbing through his Bible. He said, Doc, what are you doing? He said, I got me a message. I'm trying to get him some scripture to go with it. <laughs> <laughs> so I got five peas here. I want to leave you this morning. Okay. Number one, number one, fellas, don't never get away from preaching the Word. Preach the Word of God. Hey, you don't have to preach current events. You don't have to, you don't, you, you want, you, after you stay a while somewhere, the devil say, well, they've heard it all. And they've heard it. No, you the Word with a fresh anointing of God's power upon it. Just preach the Word. I could say a whole lot about that. And we ought to preach it in love. You remember what Paul said in, in Acts 20 and verse 28? He said, take heed unto yourself that you do what? Feed the flock of God. Dr. Lakin used to preach meetings for us, so, so many meetings. Doc said, Bobby, he said, if you put some food in the trough, the hogs will come back. He said, but you know, he said, if you just pour a little water in there, they'll finally say, well, there's nothing but water today and it won't come. He said, son, study your Bible and preach the word of God. There's nothing that takes place of the preaching of the word of God. We've got churches out on the eastern coast, independent Baptist churches are easy. We used to talk about the Methodists. They dried up out there years ago. But we've got independent Baptist churches and a whole lot of southern Baptist churches that don't even have a Sunday night service. 
And you let anybody come by, and I'm for slides. I'm not against, not even against that one this morning. That was all right. But, uh, you know, some of these fellas seem like they're just anybody. We'll have a slide presentation on Sunday night. Fellas, there's a time for that. But don't never, don't never get away from preaching the Word of God. I purposed years ago, 52 Sunday nights a year, we'll have old-fashioned preaching at gospel life. Just keep preaching the Word of God. Just preach it and preach it and preach it. Boy, it'll do something. It'll do something. Preach it in love. And, of course, we need to preach it in season, out of season. I wouldn't get rough here like I do sometimes. The other day, Lord, give me a sermon, Brother Jack, where, you know, Paul said, preach the Word, be instant in season, out of season. And I got me a message on some things 37 years ago was in season in this church, but it's out of season now for me preaching. And I hit everything you could think of. <laughs> 30, that's right. 37, I've got people that 37 years ago, they said, amen. And now they say, our preacher's a legalist to talk about that. You know what I'm talking about. That's shame. But you, it's, it's a whole lot easier when it's in season, but don't stop. Just keep preaching anyway if it's out of season. Just preach. You know, old John the Baptist came not playing a guitar, but preaching the Word of God. You know. That's right. I'm not against the guitar. But you know what Paul says? It pleases God by the foolish of preaching to save them that believe. Bless God. Just preach. Just preach. We got some boys wanting to preach. I said, get on a bus. I said, after they get loaded up, you got 20 minutes to get back to church. I said, get up in front and start preaching. Old Red told me Sunday night in the prayer room, he said, bless God, we started, we thought they didn't get enough at church Sunday. And so I got one of the old preacher boys, and he preached all the way back home, had two more saved before we got home. Nothing takes place of the preaching of the Word of God. Just preach it. Don't try to preach it like Tom Malone, nobody else. Just preach it like God gives you. Just be yourself. I used to hear Dr. Lee Robertson. I said, boy, I'd like to be like him. Bob Gray, I'd like to be like him. And I found out I can't be like nobody but who God wants me to be. And you'll burn out fast if you try to be like. No church runs like Gospel Light Baptist Church. Isn't that a blessing? It don't. If you ever hear Steve talk about Steve comes out here, this church is more. We've never got organized at our church. I have Steve and one more preacher on the staff. That's right. And, and I'm not saying your church ought to run that way. Listen, I, I didn't know. Nobody taught me. You see, I'm an ignorant fellow. I was running a 1,000 in Sunday school, didn't even have a secretary. I didn't have no assistant pastor, and folks began to write me, and I didn't know how. They couldn't read me writing. I tried to answer their letter, and I tried to get So I had, God had to get me a secretary and get going in. I mean, I've had to learn some hard ways. But God has a way for us. He has a way for you. But wherever you're at, you just preach the Word of God. You just preach it. And then let me say, secondly, God wants us to provide some things for the church. Number one, we ought to be an example of clean living. Of clean living. You remember what Paul says in Corinthians? He said, when I preach to others, what does he do? I bring myself under subject, lest when I preach to others that I become a castaway. It's easier to preach than it is to practice. People are watching our lives, you see. And we ought to provide a clean, cleanness in our life. Good testimony. Good influence. 
They may not agree with us, but uh, let's make sure that uh, we're setting the right example. We ought to provide that as, as, uh, as pastors. Let me say secondly, we ought to provide leadership. Folks, our country needs leadership. God knows we need it in Washington, don't we? <laughs> leadership. I've never in my life seen a beat. Uh, seem like all the way down, leadership, you know, whatever you say, okay, you write me in and I'll try to satisfy you. That's not the way, way you do your leadership. Homes need leadership today. That's the average dad don't take the leadership of their home, you see. And we need leadership in our churches. And God has placed you as a pastor, as a leader. And you provide leadership. Now you can through the Lord. It doesn't mean that you're smart. It means God will put his wisdom in you. You see? And if he's placed you as pastor, you're no smarter than anybody else. It's going to take God to run the thing. But God runs it through individuals. And so we just need to ask for wisdom, and he'll give you wisdom. You know, I've been amazed at times. I'd give fellas answers about something and then think, boy, that wasn't me. How where did I get that? It was God, you see. So our churches need leadership. Leadership. Dr. Lee Robertson always says that everything falls and rises on leadership. Fellas, we can set the pace for our services. God showed me something a few years ago. I don't always feel good, and everybody don't feel good, and the old pastor don't feel good, and we all, and uh, you know, if you walk up to the pulpit on Sunday morning, you feel tough, and you kind of, if you're not careful, you'll, everybody else will feel tough. I remember one morning I, I walked up to my pulpit and I was, I'd been praying and boy, I was just had joy in my heart. I said, bless God, let's stand and sing amazing grace. How sweet the sound. And boy, heaven come in that place. And, and God showed me son, the attitude, the way you have means a lot in your services. My friend, we need to provide uh, leadership, clean leadership, a balanced life before our people. And then we need to constantly provoke or stir up our people about soul winning. Now, how can we do this thing? I was preaching in the state of Virginia about two years ago. A little church run about 60 in Sunday school. The pastor said, preacher, I'm going to leave you. I can't get nobody to do anything. I said, what night you have visitation? He said, well, I quit having it. Come on, nobody come. And he left. He said, can you help me? I said, I think I can. I said, announce your visitation. Go yourself. Go yourself. I said, listen, you can't get these people stirred up unless you're going to get stirred up by soul winning. And I said, go yourself. And I said, God will give you a soul long somewhere. And I said, you win some man to Christ. And you say, boy, I sure need to help you to help me in my church. And I said, ought to be two of you out there. And I said, you and that man get out and start soul winning every week and win somebody to God. And let this little old crowd just dry up. And here's a fuss and fuming all the time. And you get this man coming down the aisle and get this lady coming down the aisle. You won the Lord. I said, first thing you know, that thing going to catch on fire. And I said, those people, just let them die. I said, forget them, don't argue with them, but we can get the fires going of soul winning if we get stirred up ourselves, and we're the ones that must do it, folks. We're the ones, we're the leaders, we must realize that, and we need to provoke our people to good works, as Hebrews 10 tells us, 24, and uh, to love and to soul winning, that's what I'm standing for. We set the pace, preachers, and we need to work on that. God will show us some things. Let me tell you something happened about 20 years ago. Uh, back there years ago, you know, we'd meet in the, in the uh, uh, auditorium. 
I don't know where there's an old Southern Baptist thought. My church never was in the convention. It's always been independent. But we'd meet in the auditorium, and the superintendent would say a few words, and then we'd go out in our classes. And we wasn't having a class, Brother Jack, in our auditorium. I was out knocking on doors one day and come to a house, and there was a man and wife and three little kids, just like little stair steps. You know? And I said, I was trying to get them to come to church. And the lady said, well, we can't go in church. She said, these kids won't go in a Sunday school class herself. And uh, she says, they want to hang on to me, and they won't go with their daddy. And I can't handle them by myself. I said, next Sunday, I'm going to start a family class in our auditorium. I said, now that thing seats a thousand, but I won't have nobody if you don't be there. And it's going to be a family class, and I'm going to teach it. I wasn't teaching it at that time. And I said, I'm going to teach it. And they promised me to come. And I got me another family. And, and that Sunday, I had 12 in that class. I called it the family class. I didn't even announce it in church. Someone was wondering, what is, what's going on in the auditorium after we go out, you know, on Sunday morning? I got Steve teaching that class now, and last Sunday, and he does practically every Sunday, he had over 700 in it at 10 o'clock. There's ways God will help us to help our people, folks. And we can say what we please. I'm my worst enemy, and you are too, let's face it. And we say, well, our church is dead. Be careful. You're talking about yourself. You know, if it's going to be, a, if listen, if there's a little fire in the pulpit, there's going to be some in the pews. Now, you just watch that. It's hard for me to say that, but it's the truth, my friend. We need to not only preach, but we need to stir our people up to win people to Jesus Christ and provide leadership for them. And then I'm about to close here. We need to protect our people. Protect them. Over here in, in, uh, in uh, Acts 20. Let, let me go on a little further in these verses I mentioned a while ago. Acts chapter 20, uh, Paul says to feed the flock of God. That's in verse 28. Now listen to what he said. He said, verse 25, 29, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own self shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. And he goes on, verse 31, and he says, I've warned you three years, night and day with tears. Now what's he saying? Paul is saying now, listen, preachers, you protect this congregation because there's going wolves going to try to slip in. And you be careful about that. Boy, that's a battle all the time. All the time. We need to protect our church from those wolves. And he said some went in inside. They'll rise up. So, you know, we still got some people wanting to be their own preachers and get their little crowd out and so on. And, and I've never in all of my life in the last five, six years felt the pressure of people. Uh, I've never seen a beat of so many organizations in my life. And don't misunderstand, I think a lot of them come out of Texas. I get more calls from Texas, fellows who know how to do something. I'm getting a call now, watchman something, watchman fellowship thing. And uh, they're nice fellows. They've been to my office, two of them, sit down and talk. And they're teaching people how to win Mormons and, and Jehovah Witness to the Lord. And I say, well, where do you go? They want to have one at our church. And he showed me his list. Now, listen, wait a minute. I, I'm, I'm still an independent Baptist. And most of the churches were, were Southern Baptists, and a lot of them were liberal, and they were going to. Yeah. Now, we have a conservative 
a, a good Southern Baptist soul winning church, no standards or nothing, on the opposite end of Winston-Salem from us. The pastor is a Bible preaching. He preaches the gospel, and I appreciate that. And uh, so he said, we're going to have one at this church. This is a great church. The other day I got a letter from him and said, would you please let us use your name to endorse this here meeting we're having over here at the Calvary Baptist Church. Uh, would you please uh, uh, get uh, involved there with us and so on and so forth. Would you please? Fellas, there's all kinds of things. Now let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I cannot condone a church that uses every kind of translation there is and makes no difference. And I am not going. He even went on to say, would you be willing to call your prayer meeting night off and come over with us? I wouldn't call that off for nobody. And it's tough, but you have to just finally have to say, no, I don't want that. We've got to protect our congregations today. There's so much. And I said, fella, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I can't do it. I, I cannot promote my people to go when my people knows that I am one of them old fellas that rips, snorts, and preaches against everything. And then I say, go over yonder, and everything's over there. They got that old contemporary music, and, and hip is singing, and all of that. And then I'm going to send my crowd over to your congregation. I said, forget me. Just leave it out. Now, I'm a fella that I don't like to fight. I like to get along. But I am finding, and I have found out through the years, we have got to protect our congregations, folks. This charismatic crowd will slip in before you know it. This old swinging crowd will slip in before you know it, brother. And we have to constantly watch and guard and push against that. Uh, a while back, I had a man just kept aggravating me. He said he lived in Virginia, and their big crew would come around. is going to put on a big old sun. I don't know what it was. He kept on and on about and what the program, what it'll be to your church. And, and we travel in a bus, and we'll do this and do that. We usually get about $1,200 for expenses. But since you're uh, the next state from us, we, we're just a love offering. We'll do it and on and on and on and on and on. And the man, I tried to be nice to him, and he called me four or five times. I said, sir, you live in Collinsville, Virginia. What church do you go to there? I said, I preach in a lot of churches. Where is your pastor? Well, uh, blah, 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 and, and well, we're on the road most of the time. Yeah. I said, Phil, I'm sorry. You can just stay on the road. Yeah. You know, we got to watch that thing, folks. We got to, if we expect to have an old-fashioned independent Baptist church of soul winning and, and praising God uh, and having a great time and reaching people, we have got to protect our congregations from a lot of this stuff is going around today, brother. I've got some men that feel hard at me, and I can't help it. I was talking to one of them a while back, and I said, cannot we agree to disagree? The man that's trying to pull the Southern Baptists and the independents together. I mean, thank God for Bible preaching Southern Baptists. But I said, fella, I'm an independent Baptist. I have some convictions. I'm not going to bless them out. And I don't want to 
and you're not going to drag me in with them either, brother. Uh, bless God, I've been down this road too long. My boy Steve said to me the other day, he said, Dad, did you, did you realize that about 98% of this church deep in their heart don't have the same philosophy and the same uh, convictions you have? I said, I don't know. He said, you wait, you're gone. said, they'll do that. I said, well, bless God, I'm going to hang around and keep hollering and hooping and trying to drive back and keep it an old-fashioned Baptist church as long as I can and keep the formality out of the thing. I'm saying this morning, fellas, I have a burden for preachers. I know I'm not as young as I used to be. But boy, things have slipped in our independent Baptist churches today. We've got to take a stand. We've got to take a stand, my friend. We have a Christian school in so many of our schools in our area. We have a lot of them in North Carolina. And so many schools in our area have let up. And there's no standards. You wouldn't know them from public schools. We're an oddball. There's one more there I know, maybe more, but one more. And we're oddballs, and our kids don't understand. Open house, we got 560-some youngins this time in our school. An open house night, I just got up. I said, I want to tell you parents something. I'm not trying to be smart. I said, I'm not trying to be overbearing, but I want you to know God laid it on my heart 22, 23 years ago to start a Christian school, and it's going to be Christian. I said, I still got 12 deacons behind me, and before we'll turn this thing into private school, we'll get up and vote to close this thing. I said, Joe Youngins is going to have some standards in this place, and I said, the church is not, the, the school's not going to run the church, but the church is going to run the school, and I said, you teachers, if you're not willing to go along with old-time religion, I don't care how many master's degrees you've got, brother, you can hit the road, bless God. And I mean that, folks. God never told me I was going to preach to the big church. I remember when God called me to preach, I wanted to preach so bad, I didn't know what to do. And I was raised on the farm, and I'd get the pressure in me. Sometime I'd go out on an old stump and get up on a stump and preach, and God would send the birds by. And I said, God, if I have to go back out there and preach again, I'll preach again. Let's do not compromise. Let's protect our congregation. And then let's pray for him. Let's pray for him. You remember in Acts chapter 3, old Paul, Peter, and John went up to the temple to pray. Let's pray for our people. Oh, how we need to pray for our people. Brother Carlacki went up in the hills of North Carolina 45, six years ago, took a little old hard-shell Baptist area of church with 20-some in Sunday school. Brother Lackey was from town, Winston, not Winston, but High Point. He was a city fella. He said, Brother Bobby, I never in my life got so, t got so worn out. He said, uh, 22 in Sunday school. He said, and, and that thing, he said, he said it was so cold and dreary rainy day, and I thought, Lord, I want to go back home. But he stayed there 40 some odd years. He went to heaven about two months ago. Oh, Carl, like you either loved him or you hated him. He would skin you alive. But he was, a, he was an old-fashioned Baptist preacher. He was against everything, but he loved everybody. And God blessed him in, in Surrey County. I'm talking about Mount Airy is in Surrey County, the city and all. Carlacki's church was the largest church for 35 years in that county, first church in all downtown. They couldn't understand him. 
His wife went to heaven seven or eight years ago. They never did have children. Old brother Carl walked around with a cane. The old man Steve said uh, here some months ago, he said, Dad, I, I think he was in Alabama in a youth conference. He said they kept me out of a mobile home. He said, I stayed in one end. And he said, would you believe old brother Carl like he was down there with some teenagers? 77, 77 years old at that time, walking with a cane. And he said, I could hear him at 5 o'clock in the morning. He'd get up, and he's in the other end, and he'd start praying and pray for hours. And said, he said to him, Steve, I've got to do something with these young people. We've got to capture them, and I'm down here trying to learn all I can. But he was praying for his congregation. He was praying for them. And, you know, he passed away a few weeks ago. They got big buildings up there. And I understand that he had saved. I don't know where he let the church know where it, where it even stood or not. But Brother Jack, he had, he had saved a million dollars. They said Dr. Lackey saved a million dollars, wanted to leave it when he went to heaven. That wasn't his money, it the church's. Then they opened his will. And he had $250,000, and he said that belongs to White Plains Baptist Church. And he went to glory. But what I'm saying up to the very last, what a praying man. Walking around with a cane, praying 5 o'clock in the morning for his people. He loved them. Dear Father, please help me. To be the under shepherd I ought to be. And the only way I can is by the grace of God. None of us have the ability. I want you to bless these preachers, God. Help them. You know, maybe some of them are out yonder struggling, maybe struggling financially. Lord, they may be having problems in their church. They've come here to get a little help. God, somehow, give them a new encouragement and a new renewal in the faith this morning and a new zeal to keep on keeping on. Help us to occupy till you come. Lord, to be faithful, be consistent. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, preachthebible.org.